I'm James Chow, host of The China Current. Once in a while, we add an exceptional individual to our family of contributors whose insight and ability to tell stories connects to audiences everywhere. Today, we're delighted to welcome Tasman Little, violinist, recording artist, and culture contributor of The China Current. Tasman's 30 years in music, all on the world's leading concert stages, marks her as one of the great musicians of this century. Born in London, she studied at the Menuhin School, and it was through the school and Yehudi Menuhin himself that Tasman first traveled to China in 1982. 40 years to the year, and as our culture contributor, she's sharing her stories in a new way. This is her first podcast on Chi-Chi, the best-loved panda in the world. As a very young girl growing up in London, I was aware that there was one superstar whose light shone brighter than many stars of stage or screen. Any child in the UK would have wished to have this superstar as their very own best friend. Her name was Chi-Chi, the giant panda, and she was Britain's favourite zoo animal. Such was the affection felt for her, she frequently appeared on national news in the UK. The nation felt great pride in the fact that she lived in the capital and was the star attraction at London Zoo. During my childhood, I didn't visit the zoo regularly, but I did see Chi-Chi on one visit. The queues were vast, but she was worth the wait, and tourists flocked to see the only giant panda in Europe. She was so loved that when she died in 1972, the whole country mourned the loss. Chi-Chi began life in the wild in 1954, after being born in Sichuan in China's southwest in 1957. First, she lived in the Soviet Union, and she was to have made the US her home. But American embargoes on goods from China at that time also included giant pandas, so sadly Chi-Chi was not able to go to America after all. Not long after, Chi-Chi finally found her permanent home in England in 1958. Initially, her visit to the capital was to last only three weeks, but she was such a huge draw for the crowds and proved to be so popular that the zoo decided to keep her permanently and bought Chi-Chi for £12,000. She was not London Zoo's first giant panda. Ming was one of four who arrived in 1938. But Chi-Chi's lovable personality ensured she became the undisputed star of the show. Still a cub, she was not only cute but highly playful, and her charisma and magnetism brought visitors in droves. Remembering my childhood love for Chi-Chi, I've been trying to define exactly what it is that drew me to her, and the qualities that make the giant panda so appealing to people of all ages. Why might it be that so many of us consider this potentially wild and dangerous creature to be, in fact, adorable and peaceful? I wonder if there's something intrinsically childlike in the panda's attributes. They're soft and look cuddly, with big, innocent eyes. They're always hungry, devoting 12 to 14 hours a day to eating, stripping up to 84 pounds of bamboo, the beautiful, simple plant on which the panda's diet depends. Physically, there's nothing scary or over-hasty about most of the giant panda's movements. They're graceful, measured, serene, almost bordering on lazy. And yet when they're playful, they become more lovable than ever, 
even when they do handstands whilst relieving their bladders. Feeding an animal that lives almost exclusively on a diet of bamboo was a problem that London Zoo needed to solve. An elderly gentleman living in a cottage on a historic estate in Cornwall responded to the zoo's request for help. The captain, as he was locally known, sent a sample of the bamboo growing all around his house up to London. And when the zoo and Chi-Chi gave their approval, he and some local scouts became the official bamboo suppliers for the giant and very hungry panda. This happy arrangement whereby the bamboo was sent by train to London every Monday morning would last for the rest of Chi-Chi's life. After she died, British Prime Minister Edward Heath asked China for two more pandas, who, like Chi-Chi, were also fed by bamboo from that cottage in Cornwall, cut down by the local Boy Scouts. There's a beautiful simplicity in the giant panda's colours, a distinctive combination of black and white. These contrasting colours are aesthetically pleasing. However, in the wild, they also serve an important and practical purpose, that of camouflage. This juxtaposition of colours was something which attracted me to a miniature watercolour of a panda, a little memento I bought for myself during my first visit to Beijing. This was in 1982, when I went on a cultural exchange with Yehudi Menuhin, the legendary violinist, and some of my fellow students at the Yehudi Menuhin School. The miniature has great charm, styled with characteristic delicate ink brush strokes, and depicting the panda with a few bamboo leaves, one of which he, or she, is cuddling. I have other souvenirs of this visit to China, but my little panda picture sits in a prominent position in my home, and whenever I gaze at it, I'm taken right back to this first direct experience of Chinese culture, aged just 17 years old. It was an experience of music, art and nature never to be forgotten. There were various attempts to encourage Chi Chi to mate, and one of these involved a trip in 1966 to visit An An, a male panda at the zoo in Moscow. But whilst Chi Chi and her prospective boyfriend seemed to like each other, it seems Chi Chi was more intent on playing with An Han and retaining the upper hand, repeatedly knocking him onto the ground until he gave up trying to be amorous. It was decided that both pandas should come to London, where Chi Chi might feel more at home, in a final attempt to facilitate breeding. But Chi Chi was not in a mating mood possibly because she was raised by humans and didn't instinctively respond to a male of her own species. So sadly, she never had any children. When Chi Chi died on the 22nd of July 1972, she was aged about 15 and was thought to be the first giant panda to have lived so long in captivity. Although I was only seven years old at the time, I remember very clearly the day that she died. I cried watching the news on the television and mourned the loss along with the rest of the country. Although no stranger to being on national news, the loving and plentiful obituaries on television, radio and in the newspapers were a clear indication of the devotion given to her by her adopted country. All these years later, Chi Chi's legacy lives on. 
She was the inspiration behind the design of the World Wildlife Fund logo, which has since become an emblem for conservation movements. Sir Peter Scott, who founded the WWF and designed the logo, wanted something beautiful, rare and loved by many. Today, the giant panda continues to be its logo, a symbol for all conservation and the need to protect our planet and all its natural inhabitants. As well as her cherished memory living on, Chi-Chi's body is now exhibited in the Natural History Museum in London, giving her loyal fans an opportunity to visit her forevermore. And there is a special opportunity to do that now. In 2019, the museum removed her from her glass cabinet and restored her, ensuring that Chi-Chi can be studied and loved by a next generation. It was a delicate process. First, she was positioned in a wooden frame and wrapped in polythene. Then professional conservators carefully cleaned her using special brushes, sponges and a vacuum. Chi-Chi is back on public display in the Natural History Museum, which is visited by 5 million people a year. As for me, I will always cherish my childhood memory of seeing Chi-Chi at London Zoo. She was not simply a panda, but an iconic member of animal royalty. Join Tasman Little on the China Current as she brings you more stories from London.